welcome to Trinity Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's a real honor tonight for us to have Peter Lewis. Peter's one of my heroes. I, I, first time I ever met Peter, he had a beautiful ponytail. And uh, he's, uh, he's been a soccer player in college. I found out today that he went to Coastal Carolina College and University now. And uh, he played soccer there, and then he played for two and a half years in Europe, professional soccer. And he has a wonderful ministry called Braveheart Ministry, and it's a ministry of discipleship, and he is reaching and touching people all over the country and all over the world. So Peter's been here with us before. You guys know him. He has a beautiful wife, beautiful kids. They live here in Dallas. Let's give Peter Lewis a big Trinity Church round of applause. Fantastic. Amen. Amen. Well, good evening. I said good evening. Awesome. Glad to be here. I can still see you from up here. Um, hey, Pastor Joe, Nancy, thank you for having me. So honored. I love you guys dearly. Um, I am a young guy in ministry. I'm older than I look, uh, but I am still young. Praise God. Um, my wife would be here. She's actually with her, her dad who is sick with dementia uh, in Arlington. It's her, uh, her mom and dad's wedding anniversary today. So she's there with all of our five kiddos and um, just spending time with her mom. So if you guys think about it, pray for her. It's been a, a tough season um, just with her dad. Um, and so, uh, but, but I just wanna say, um, Joe, you have been such an encouragement in my life um, as just a, a father. Um, as someone who's gone before, um, and we had lunch or coffee the other day, and um, he just he just listened um, to me. How many of you know? Sometimes with with people and even with the Lord, you just need to know that you're seen and you're heard. Amen. I think Hagar got it right. The lesson from Hagar is you're the God who sees. You know, and and I think for a lot of us, with with how fast life is moving, with how loud ministry can be with how loud the church world can be, we, there's a cry in our heart to be seen by God. Like, God, do you see me? Like, I know you see us. Like, God, we know you're here, you're present. But many of us can acknowledge God's presence and still not feel seen and known. And I feel tonight that the Lord wants you to be seen. He wants you to be known. Um, he knows exactly what's going on in your heart. He's not afraid of it. Amen. He's not afraid of if your mind wandered in worship. <laughs> he, he's, not, he, he's not startled at our humanity. He understands it. This is what it means that Jesus was our high priest. He, he, he donned flesh, the son of God. He, he put on flesh so he understands the challenges mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually that we're facing. And one of the ways I believe God manifests his attention towards us is by allowing us to experience his love by the Holy Spirit. Now, for years of my Christian life, I, I would acknowledge that to be true, but I had never really experienced the love of God through the Holy Spirit. 
Um, it was a theological truth that had not yet come to bear upon my heart. And so tonight I wanna, uh, I wanna pray. We're gonna pray in just a minute, but I believe um, that many of you are gonna have a real living encounter with the presence of Jesus tonight. That you would leave this room, or even if you're watching online, that you would leave knowing that God sees you, he knows you, and he can meet the need. So will you pray with me? Father, we just pause and we acknowledge that you are our Father, that we can call the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob our Father. <laughs> and you're not just any Father, you're our Father who is in heaven. You, you are in the realm of glory. You're in a realm that's beyond this realm, this temporary realm that we see, God. Father, you are in heaven. You are surrounded by glory, elders and angels and majesty and power and dominion where everything is so crystal clear. Father, you are in heaven. And so right now, the eyes of our heart, open them up that we may see you, Father. I pray like Elijah prayed for his servant, God, but I pray for me to open the eyes of all of our hearts, not that we may see the army, but that we may see you, our Father, in heaven. And I pray as Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, let your name be kept holy. Let the name of Father never become commonplace to us. Holy is your name. Hallowed be thy name, Lord. Let your name, Father, always be kept holy to us. And even tonight, Holy Spirit, would you scrub away any callousness, any numbness, any apathy, any, uh, any sense of unbelief? Would you, would, you, would you file it off of our hearts, Holy Spirit? Come and circumcise our hearts that we may be soft and tender towards you. Lord, we need your presence. All those New Year's resolutions we made, God, we need your presence. <laughs> Above all else, God, we need your presence. Come on, you can pray with me. If that's your prayer, join me. Just for, for 30 seconds to a minute, just acknowledge your need for the presence of God. Come on, one voice, church. Let's just tell God, Lord, we need your presence in our lives for our marriages, for our work, God, with our kids, God, with our days, with our with our thinking, with our habits that we haven't been able to break, we need your Holy Spirit. And so we welcome you, Spirit of God, to continue to work among us tonight. As we open your word, Lord, I thank you that you honor your word with your presence. We bless you, Lord, we honor you. We thank you that we're your kids. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Open to Galatians chapter 3. I want to talk to you tonight about an intersection of discipleship and the power of the Holy Spirit. When, when Joe and I met a few weeks ago, he said, you know, I said, Joe, what's the theme? I know it's the Presence Conference, but he says, I really am after a revelation of discipleship and a power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I, as I was praying, I said, Lord, I said, these are two massive topics. These are two amazing topics. Um, and, and as I began praying into it, I realized that there is a, a, 
a, a connection. Like if, if we were to talk about discipleship, there's a lot of amazing teachers, a lot of amazing preachers. It's in the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Amen. We've received the authority of Jesus. And, and I could sit here and I could talk to you about life on life and I could talk to you about methods of discipleship and modes of discipleship and that would be awesome and you could get something out of that. And then we come over here to the power of the Holy Spirit and I could talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. I could talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I could talk about how a guy like me grew up in the Bible church. How many of my Bible church people at? Come on, you're like, I don't even know what the Bible church is. It's like Baptist, but it's from around here, you know? It's just, it's the Bible church, the Father, Son, and Holy Bible. That was the Trinity. And, um, and so I didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. And, and so I was, I was taught that the Holy Spirit was kind of spooky. He was like the charismatic member of the Trinity. You know, we kind of like, I don't know about him. He has gifts that are weird. He'll make you speak in tongues. That was the real one, tongues, oh my, tongues, <laughs> And I realized, you know, that the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus calls the promise of the Father. Why would I be afraid as a believer of something called the promise of the Father? It's the promise of the Father. The Father says, I promise you something. You're like, yeah. as a believer, I'm like, yes, I want your promises. Amen. Come on, raise your hand. And then, and then I encountered the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 2006. I had an encounter in a room like this. I was addicted to pornography, I was seeking God, I was a believer, I knew God, but I didn't know the power of God. I didn't know that he saw me, I didn't know that he cared about my addiction. And I wanna tell you, God met me in that room with simple faith, and, and he came and he, I tell people, he pulled my SIM card out. I was a good Bible church kid and I'm on the ground speaking in tongues with power coursing through my veins, and it was awesome. And when I realized the, theologically, biblically, what happened to me, that the Holy Spirit of God came and dwelt inside of this mortal body that he called a temple, I thought it was strange that the only thing that happened to me was that I began to speak in an unknown language. Come on, how do we not blow up? How do we not fire, not come out of our ears, smoke? Come on. I'm a logical thinking person, the living God, the one, you, you guys are like, no, 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 I understand that. I don't know that we do. If you're having a bad day and you think about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who created everything, you're like, yeah, he lives in here. What? <laughs> That'll make your bad day good in a minute when you just recognize that God desired and made a way possible for you and I to be temples of God without dying. How clean, how clean has the blood of Jesus made you and I that we can become temples of the Holy Spirit? How thorough was the atonement? How, how, how deep did the blood cleanse us from all sin, all unrighteousness, all iniquity, that God could dwell in here and there be no conflict of interest? How did it happen? He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God is a gift to be received by faith. And it is here that is the intersection of discipleship and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna submit to you tonight something radical, something wild, something that, that, you know, the powers of darkness don't want us to know. The only condition required for this room 
all of us individually and corporately to have a, the most face-melting encounter with God tonight, there's only one condition required biblically. It's called righteousness. Once the righteousness of God is attained to, there is now an absolute open heavens for God to pour out his spirit and to do what he wants to do, which is to fill humanity with himself. So when the conditions for righteousness are attained, God is now free to be God. Now, if there's unrighteousness, it has to be dealt with because if, if a righteous, holy God comes and he begins to manifest himself in unrighteousness, things and people start to die. Ask Ananias and Sapphira. Ask Uzzah, 2 Samuel 6, bringing the ark back to the city. The oxen stumble. Uzzah reaches out his hand. A man touches the ark and he dies. So how is it that Uzzah can touch the ark and die, yet I can have God living inside of me and not die? It's called righteousness. But for too long, the body of Christ and we as the church, we've minimized the gift of righteousness as a theological truth, as a, as a, as a mere place of standing before God that means I'm going to go to heaven when I die. And we've missed the purpose of God actually giving us the gift of righteousness. God made you righteous for a reason. You ready? Y'all are like, y'all need to read the Bible. I'm gonna read you my Bible, but I'm just preparing you. Because we're gonna hop into Galatians 3, and Paul is writing a letter to the Galatians, and he's making a big deal. This is post, uh, he, he shares about his encounter with the Lord. He shares about how he was in Arabia for 14 years. He has an encounter with God. He goes off 14 years, and he's basically preaching the gospel among the Gentiles. He's, I believe he's, he's, just being fathered by God in the wilderness is amazing. He comes back, he meets the apostles. They don't add anything to him. They're like, wow, your gospel's good. Make sure you remember the poor. He's like, it was awesome. And he goes, and then when I came to Antioch, he goes, I had to oppose Peter to his face because he stood condemned. And I'm like, wow, this is some church drama, right? We would make a, a YouTube series out of this. So Peter is 14 years at least into his apostolic ministry leading the church. Okay, and you gotta, you gotta understand this. The Christian faith started, as a, it started from Jews, as a Jewish faith. It wasn't until Acts chapter 10 that we got in. And I say we, because maybe there's Jews here. Praise God, God bless you. We got grafted in, hallelujah. We honor you, we bless you. My brother and wife, and their six kids live in Israel now. Can you believe that? They moved there right before the war. <laughs> wow, God's timing's crazy. So, so, so here we are. And, and Peter, Peter's eating, he's eating with Gentiles, and then the Jews come, and he's like, uh-oh, and he slips off from the Gentiles. Now, to understand this biblically, Jew and Gentile, before Christ, couldn't fellowship and eat together. It was anathema to a Jew to eat with a Gentile. And so here Peter is, he's eating with Gentiles. Why? Because he's righteous by faith. He's free now. This man is free 
and he's living free and he's living in the Holy Ghost and he's happy and free and he's fellowshipping with the Gentiles. He's, he's enjoying his new brotherhood. But all of a sudden, it was like those old, those old reminders. These were like the, the, the Jewish guys came in there like, huh? And Peter's like, huh? And he's like, no, no, I'm not eating with them. And he pulls back from the table. Now for us, we're like, okay, that's a little fear of man. Paul freaks out. Paul freaks out and it makes the canon of scripture and his rebuke to Peter makes the scriptures. So he stands up in front of everyone. He goes, hey, Peter, no. And everyone's like, whoa, who's this guy from Arabia, you know? He's like, no, you, you, you stand condemned. No, we don't like that language. But Paul in this letter is strong to the Galatians. And I want you to hear his intensity, his passion, why? Because this, this issue of righteousness by faith is paramount today, 2024, for the Christian church. We need a revelation of Romans 4, justified by faith more than ever before, than we've ever needed it. This is what the reformations of past were on. This is what Wesley got hit with, the, the 99 deals on the wall. Listen, this revelation of righteousness by faith is the, the landing strip for the power of the Holy Spirit to move in the church. If this gets off, if you and I think we can attain right standing with God any other way than the free gift that comes to us by Jesus and what he did on the cross, what we're saying with our actions is that we don't need the death of Christ, we don't need his work, we don't need his grace, and the Bible speaks of that as, as the worst thing in the worst place a believer could possibly land in is that type of thinking. But for now, for many believers, we have reduced and minimized righteousness. When you even hear the word justified or righteous, it's kind of like, okay. And I believe biblically that word righteous meant that you could stand before God and you could look at God in the face and you wouldn't shrink back in shame. You would have no consciousness of sin. Imagine what it would feel like today, tonight. Just imagine for a moment if it was impossible to be aware of sin. Imagine you stood in the presence of God and you couldn't bring up sin. You couldn't think about sin. You, you only, imagine your eyes were only captivated with his face. And you couldn't see yourself. Just imagine for a gift that the Holy Spirit made it possible for a moment where you couldn't look at yourself anymore. You couldn't examine and see where you were falling short. You, 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 you didn't know. If someone's like, hey, how are you doing with God? You're like, ah, I don't know. And it felt scary. You, you would feel naked. How many of you, you would feel naked? If you couldn't assess yourself, you would feel exposed. Why is that? Because ever since the garden, we've been clothing ourselves with the knowledge of good and evil. So what the gospel does is through Jesus's cross, he blinds us to ourself, opens our eyes again to him, and the gift of righteousness allows us to live with a clean conscience before God. Now you say, well, a clean conscience. A clean conscience is how you walk in the spirit. That's how miracles happen. That's where the supply of the spirit comes from. The moment I have a defiled conscience, watch this, the moment I allow something to defile my conscience, I'm going to start working 
I'm tempted to work to clean my conscience. So I'm gonna, well, I need a, for me, so I'll, I'll give you an example. I was a believer and I was addicted to pornography. So every time I fell, I did a couple of works. I called them, I now know they were works. I didn't know they were at the time because I didn't understand righteousness. I, I would, number one, I needed to let maybe two days, maybe three days go by before talking to God again. Do you know why? Because in my mind, my me stumbling and falling and doing what I knew that I shouldn't have done made God angry towards me. That was my belief. God's now angry with me because I did something wrong. So what did I do? I pulled myself back because I'm a good Christian kid. I wanna please God. And I couldn't bear the thought that I made my God angry. So I thought, it's hypocritical for me to go talk to God, pray to God, read my Bible, and have a quiet time after I did something wrong, I need to let some time go by. Some of you are like, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know the Bible says in 1 John that if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I didn't know, I didn't know that the Bible said if I sin, it says if we sin, if we sin, not when. Uh-oh, just triggered someone. <laughs> Is that okay? The born-again believer, no future promise that, well, we're all gonna sin. I don't know, my Bible says no one born of God keeps on sinning because God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning. Okay, we'll get there maybe another, maybe another time. <laughs> So I would let two days, three days go by and let the dust of his anger settle. That was a dead work. My access to God then was based on how I thought God was. Our access to God biblically in the new covenant can only ever come one way and that's through the veil of his flesh and the blood of the new covenant. If you and I try to access God another way based on, well, I've been good for now three days. I've been clean for four or five days. Now I can be close to God. No, 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 no. That's a dead work. Now what I'm saying is I, I, I'm gonna come to God based on my cleanness, my righteousness, not his. And when I realized this was the, my first entrance into the gift of righteousness, can I tell you what happened? I stumbled, I looked, at, I looked at something I shouldn't have done, and I fell. And I remember feeling so sick and tired of my connection to God being based on my performance. I was sick of it. I was sick of it. I thought, God, if this is the way this is gonna be, I said, I can't do this anymore. If you're not big enough to handle me in the, in the full sun of my sin, and, and like, I didn't want it, mind you. Like, I was in bondage. Y'all, everyone, anyone in here ever been in bondage, doing something that you don't wanna do? That was me. And so here I am, I'm going, God, I don't want this, but it has power over me. And do you know what I did? This, this, I, I took a little baby step of faith. I was still reading the word, I was still seeking God, and I'll never forget this moment. I literally did the most like thing, like you, oh, you, you know, you get so mad at yourself. And this is what I did. The next moment, I fell on my knees. And I had never done this before. And I said, God, I said, you see me. 
Right now, you see me, and I'm, I am presenting myself to you. I need your help. I don't want this in my life. Come and father me. Come and forgive me. Come and wash me. And I, and I cried out to God, and I could feel my flesh. I could feel my flesh going, you can't talk to God right now. I could hear the devil going, you can't cry out to God. And I felt this Holy Spirit come. You're like, oh, the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit came. Seconds after I fell and did something so grievous, and, 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 I, and God came. He came to me. And I was astounded. I said, God, what? And it was then he began to take me on this journey and showing me that righteousness is a gift to be received by faith. And this levels the playing field for the access to the Holy Spirit, access to anointing, to power, to miracles. It only comes by a simple, childlike faith in who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And it, and it sets us all together. There's no one man, no one woman walking in the power of the Holy Spirit that received it any other way. Galatians 3 the Galatians were being tempted, like Peter, to go back to a, a law, go back to a system of do's and don'ts to get God to give his spirit. This was the whole, I wish I had time to unpack the whole, you know, Jewish history with, with the law and the tabernacle. Moses had to build everything exactly to the pattern. He says, Moses, if you build it to the pattern, then I'll come. And Moses did. If you look at Exodus 40, Moses, the Bible says, this is crazy in your Bible. How many of you know the Bible, everything, A to Z, speaks of Jesus? Exodus 40, it says, Moses finished the work. Do you know what the next verse is? He finished the work building the temple. The next verse is, then the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Some of you will get that in a minute. It is finished. When Jesus says, it is finished, he finished the work, then the glory of the Lord can fill the temple. So the Galatians, like many of us, and I think many churches, we, we want and need the Holy Spirit. How many of you are like, I need a supply of the Spirit, I need miracles, I want it flowing, I want it, every hand should be in the air. Like, I don't know, like, I want rivers of God coming out of me. I wanna be able to walk into Starbucks or Merit or whatever coffee shop and just let the river of God flow and people get born again and healed and saved and delivered. I wanna open my mouth and prophesy. And that's not a burden, that's not why I'm trying to do that, it's because I'm filled with God. Amen? We, with the supply of the Spirit, Christianity's easy. If you don't have the Spirit, Christianity's a burden. So look at what he says. He says, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? This is strong language. He calls them foolish. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Listen to that. He's asking a rhetorical question because he's writing a letter. <laughs> he's like, let me ask you a question. And then he tells them the answer, because it's a letter. <laughs> Did you receive the Spirit? Listen to this. So what's at stake? Receiving the Spirit. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing 
hearing what? The gospel, and it mixed with faith. Are you so foolish? He's taking a strong stance on this. This is not medium language. This is, if you miss this, which you're missing it, he's saying, you're foolish. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? They were being persecuted, if indeed it was in vain. Look at this. And do you know what they were being persecuted for? They were being persecuted because they were saying it's only by the cross. So they started off saying it's only the cross, and then they began to pull away and go, well, maybe we can get the Holy Spirit some of these old Jewish ways that we've been doing all this time. Look at verse five. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you, look at this, and works miracles among you. So he, God, is the supplier of Holy Spirit, no man. We need to remember this. God, the Father, supplies the Spirit to humanity through the work of the Son. So because of Jesus' work, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and priesthood, he now earned the right to issue the Holy Spirit to humanity. To which humanity? To those who believe in his salvific work. So those who put their faith in Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and priesthood, they now become candidates, having been cleansed by the blood, they, they become spiritually virgin. Their wombs become virgin again, spiritually. Why, how? Because of the blood. So now the father says, son, you can now baptize them in the Holy Spirit. You can now fill them, and not just one time, you can supply the Spirit to them, ongoing, and you can work miracles among them. Why? Because there's nothing hindering God from working when we hear the gospel, mixed it with faith, and we become righteous in him. That's now the, that's the supply chain of God's grace. How am I, where are my supply chain people at? That's the supply chain of grace. So God has, how many of you know, God has enough grace, power, Holy Spirit for every need in this room. So we have a supply chain issue. If we leave tonight, if, if we leave this meeting and we don't get something, it's a supply chain issue. Well, I don't believe God's not willing. Well, God, God just wasn't willing. I don't believe that. Why? Because Jesus bled and died on a cross. That was the I will of God. Y'all remember the leper that came to him? He goes, if you can heal me, will you heal me? Is it your will to heal me? And he says, what did Jesus say? I will. When he said, well, that was back then. What about now? I believe if you need a miracle in your body, the cross is the will of God. How do you know what God wants? Because he gave his son. I know, because there's stripes on his back for your healing. He doesn't make a choice anymore. He's not, the, the, the will of God for healing and salvation and, and, and to supply with the Spirit is no longer in the mysterious wonder of, well, if it's God's will. That's, that's outside, that, faith doesn't talk that way. The faith of the gospel says, there's stripes on his back, blood coming out of his veins, the Son of God was given, the door and access to heaven has been made. Faith says, I believe. 
So it's the supply of the Spirit and the working of miracle. Does he do so among you by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Look at this, verse six. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So when so you say, Peter, what does this have to do with discipleship? I believe this should be the focus of our discipleship, both in receiving and in giving. And I'm gonna make this real simple. And this may sound, this may be revelatory or this may be old hat for you, I don't know, but it's worth repeating, amen? Yeah. These guys in the Bible repeated themselves a lot. <laughs> we need to be taught how to receive the gift of righteousness. If I want someone to disciple me, I want someone to daily remind me, teach me, preach to me, proclaim to me the righteousness of God that comes to me as a gift through faith in the work of Jesus. I need that. I don't know about you. I am tempted. The reason why I'm so passionate about this is I'm really good at working. I can work for God's favor. I can work for someone's affection. I can work for his blessing. I know how to work. <laughs> but the gospel, the gospel confronts that carnal desire to work for something that our father gives for free in his son. Look at what Romans 4 says. Romans 4, Romans 4, verse 3. We're picking back up where Paul left off. For what does the scripture say? Romans 4, 3. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. I'm gonna say it again. When you read righteousness or justified, it's a climax statement or thought biblically. Most uh, most believers I meet, when they hear the word righteousness or justified, they're like, huh? Yeah, what's next? And you're like, no, 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 you missed it. <laughs> righteousness is the climax, like, wait a minute. He, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. That, for a Jew, was like, they're like, do you understand what we had to do to be righteous? We had to kill all of these animals, stinky, bloody, fire. We had to cultivate lamps on the altar and oil at the uh, fire. Okay, God, the fire must be kept burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Have you ever stoked a fire? It is work. You're getting wood. You're like, is the wood going out? What about the oil? Where's the oil? Get some more olives. Press them. Come on. Fresh, purely beaten olive oil. All the prescriptions. Do you know how much work was required just to stand in the presence of God and not burn up and die? And so now all of a sudden, Paul's like, hey, all you people, Abraham believed God. They're like, what? <laughs> believed what? He made a promise. God made a promise, and he goes, <clears throat> okay. No! No, kill him, stone him. We did all of this stuff. They were puffed up with all the pride of what they did to be right with God. To be right with God is the deepest ache and crying of our hearts. If you're right with God, you open your mouth and pray something, you know it's gonna be answered. If I'm right with God, meaning there's nothing wrong with me with God, See, we have, so, we have so distilled the word righteousness. It's been, a, it, it's been in the halls of theology, and it's not, we, need to, we need to shake that word free for, so that we can get to the power, the essence of it. 
If I, if he who knew no sin became sin, was that a, was that a, is that a theological thing to us? He who knew no sin became sin? That's not theological, that was physical, that was, that was gruesome, that was bloody, that was him taking on our depravity, our nastiness, all on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become just nice, right-standing people with God. No! So that we could become the righteousness of God. Wow, can you imagine putting on Christ in the morning and going, ooh, there is an open heavens. It is Monday and I am about to crush this day. Oh, wow, I feel alive. Why? Why do you feel like that? Because I'm right with God. I'm right with God. Well, I got a flat tire. I don't know. Maybe God's mad at me. Stop it. Oh, my car's not starting. What happened, God? What did I do? Everyone, if you don't have the righteousness of God, you think God as a father is actually only ever just teaching you lessons. You live through life and God's just teaching you through everything. He's just teaching you. What about a father who holds you and goes, I'm so proud of you? See, if you don't have a revelation of righteousness, you can't tell me 10 things that God actually really likes about you. You can tell me the last 10 lessons that he taught you. But then he's not a father, he's just some cosmic teacher trying to get you to go, you know, stay within the lines of the book. But my God is a father. And when you begin to live and walk in the righteousness of God, you begin to hear his voice as a father and you'll just wake up some mornings and he's just, he's just on you with his countenance, with his smile and you wake up and it's better than coffee and you're like, wow, this is bright in here. You're like, oh, what do you mean? It's because he actually has set his eye upon us. <laughs> That's what's at stake when I read righteousness. And we need, to, we need to let that word free. We need to let the Holy Ghost shake that word off in our hearts a little bit. We really do. We need to, when we need to hear righteousness, we need to go, ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm serious. May, we, may, may Holy Spirit, may you break off the familiarity with that word. Look at this. To the one, verse four, who works. To the one who works. Where are my workers at? That's me. His wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. So God says, hey, if you're gonna be with me in this system and you're gonna work, he goes, then, then the measure you get is gonna be just your due. It's not a gift. You, you're now outside of the realm of gift. You're in the due realm. And you know what's crazy about God? He'll actually work with you in that realm. I don't understand why. I don't know why he doesn't just shut the spigot off and go, hey, stop, it's not working. He'll actually dole out measures of grace. You know the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of the law, do this, get this. There was glory in it. 2 Corinthians 3, in the ministry of condemnation, there was actually glory in it. What kind of glory? If they did this, they got some measure of God. But the ministry of righteousness, the Bible says, must far exceed it in glory. How, why? Because of this. And to the one who does not work, uh-oh, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly. 
believes in him, we believe in a God who justifies, that big theological word, all it means is he makes righteous the ungodly. Did you know that we believe that God still makes ungodly people right? How would we speak and, and navigate in all of the stuff that we're looking at in the world if we actually believed that God makes ungodly people right? It would be much harder to judge the people, ungodly people. This, this baffled me during 2020. I'm not gonna go off on this because I wanna pray for y'all. But in 2020, people were amazed. And it's gonna happen again in 2024. We're in an election cycle. I was amazed that so many Christians were amazed that the ungodly were acting ungodly. I'm so serious. Did you see what, and they would say what someone did out there in the world who doesn't know God, and they were amazed at it. And I'm like, you're amazed at that? That really amazes you, that a sinner, an ungodly person is acting ungodly? That's not amazing to me. That's actually very normal. How are they gonna act different? What's, whatsoever could happen? Oh, I don't know, maybe someone, we could just open our mouth and speak the gospel because we believe that God justifies the ungodly. Come on, we could begin to pray for them and go, oh Lord, get them with the gospel. Get them with the gospel, Lord. You're watching Fox News and I get them with the gospel, Lord. CNN, get them with the gospel. I'm serious, whatever your news channel, get them with the gospel, Lord. Whatever politician, get them, get them. I don't care what you want, I don't care what side of the aisle, what side, you know, we're like, we're like you know, Joshua, he's like, whose side are you on? And God's like, no. It's not how it works. It's like, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. No, there's no side, God doesn't take sides. You're either with God or you're not. There's no sides. We gotta stop, like, well, he's on my side, they're on this side. We don't get to do that. Jesus is Lord. I like that, I like that. All right, all right. So to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. And this is gonna be, I'm gonna just reveal this one thing and we're gonna pray. If I could get April and the cello and the piano back up here, I'm gonna just pray for you guys. Just those three and then the rest of the worship team and we're gonna, I want some of my team to pray for you guys at the end when we call everyone up. Is that cool? Awesome. Look at what David says. Look at what's at stake with righteousness. In addition to receiving the Holy Spirit, miracles, look at seven and eight. This is crazy. So apart from anything that we do, David said, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. I think that's past tense. Whose sins are covered, present tense. And blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. That's future tense. So when you receive the gift of righteousness, God once and for all deals with your sin. So what does he do as believers if we sin? We have an advocate, he helps us. He supplies us more of the spirit. Well, sh well, shall I sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it any longer? The reason why we can live under grace is because the believer says, I'm not trying to live in sin anymore. 
I may stumble, I may fall, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a propensity and a longing for it anymore as a born again, spirit-filled believer. I have a propensity towards righteousness. And so I wanna charge, there, there's a charge in this and then I wanna minister to you guys. I wanna charge you guys in 2024 to be discipled by someone. Find someone who can teach, preach, and open the scriptures to help us understand the ministry of righteousness and this righteousness that's received by faith. And you know that you're experiencing the gift of righteousness when you begin to live with a clean conscience, you will notice sin habits begin to wither up and die. Make no mistake about it, when you begin to receive the gift of righteousness, it will in time produce righteous behavior. But your behavior may not, watch this, it may not change automatically in the beginning, the moment you receive the gift. It's like a seed that takes time and care for it to grow. This is why God says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is, it is, yeah, where's my sister? It is, it is who? Work out your salvation for it is, it is who, it is who, it is who, it is who, it is that's music to your soul. The new covenant is about a God who works. I believe in a God who works. He didn't just finish the work. He said, it is finished, not I'm finished. And tonight I believe he wants to meet many of you and he wants to clothe you with the gift of righteousness. And on the wake of that clothing, I believe he wants to so fill you tonight with his Holy Spirit, with his grace. And I don't feel the need to, to get God to do something. I wanted you guys, oh yes, can we do some pads? And can you sing over us? And can you play over us? And I heard actually when we were praying before, I heard this is the air I breathe when we were praying. Do you guys know that one? Can y'all stand to your feet? I wanna stay, we're gonna just, uh, I wanna minister for a minute to you guys. Let's just do the pad and the cello for a minute. Just begin to play. And if you know you're here tonight and you have been working for God's affection, you've been working for the Holy Spirit, I want you to just joyfully repent tonight. And I want you to confess and say, Lord, I don't wanna do that anymore. Just acknowledge where you've done it. Acknowledge where... <laughs> where you've tried to earn his affection. Just with your lips.
I want you to close your eyes with me and I want you to see Jesus on the cross, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I wanna prophesy and declare to you that he who knew no sin, he became sin. And I want you to see him. I want you to see the moment when he became your sin. He became your propensity to get angry. He became your migraines. He became your addictions. He became your selfishness. He became your pride. He became your fear. He became cancer. He became every every wicked and unclean thing, he became sin. He became mental health issues, became depression, he became suicidal thoughts, he became hopelessness and despair. He became insecurity, he became all of the things so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. And that is the good news preached to you. That is the good news tonight, that you and I could become, that we would be like Abraham, who simply believed God, who believed that to be true. I wanna prophesy and declare to you that you will not have to dig yourself out of any hole you will not have to make up for any generational iniquity. You have been born again to a living hope, undefiled. And I just see the Lord now, he wants to clothe you in his righteousness. And I see it like a garment. I see it like a garment. And I see, you, I see you just lifting your arms and letting him put that garment on you, like someone's putting a, a jacket on you. You stretch out your arms. If that's you, if you know he's doing that, you're like, yes, Lord, clothe me tonight. Clothe me tonight. Let him clothe you. Let him clothe you. Those of you who are already wearing that robe, just be reminded of it. Wear it with joy, wear it with gladness. Come on, as with one people, as one people tonight, let's be of one accord. Let's be of one accord. Let's be of, of one faith in one God, one spirit, one baptism tonight. As you're clothed in his righteousness, I want you to become aware now that there's nothing hindering God from supplying you with his spirit. Yeah, that's it. Once it hits you, it fills you. You're not waiting for a man or for a prayer. <laughs> you realize the condition is righteousness. Let him fill you right now. Let him supply the spirit. Does he who supplies the Spirit and work miracles among you do so because someone prays for you do so because works of the law or by hearing with faith? 
Let's sing this together. Sing, O barren one. our daily bread, Lord. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me. And Come on, sing it out. Sing it as if you're wearing the righteousness of God. today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community as well as around the globe. Visit us at trinitydallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas. God bless.